0: Welcome, everyone, to this Sunday edition of BAMS Radio. I'm Judy Armand, as we are here to discuss the Alabama Crimson Tide's solid 30-6 win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs, the 15th straight in the series for the Crimson Tide. And uh, for the first time since 2014, what a stat, uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs score a touchdown against the Alabama Crimson Tide, and it took until the final play in the game for Mississippi State The score from the one-yard line, but uh, the University of Alabama still gets a very solid win. And now they're on a much-needed bye week uh, as they will prepare next for LSU. A banged-up football team, several guys out. We'll talk about that on the episode. We'll talk about the 30th-year reunion, the 1992 National Championship team, especially because even though he wasn't able to make the event, our co-host and uh, great compatriot William Redfish who was a part of that group, and I know a lot of his teammates got back together this weekend with their head coach Gene Stallings and their defensive coordinator brother Bill Oliver. I saw him uh, in the photo as well. So great to see a lot of those guys back uh, in Tuscaloosa to celebrate that football team, especially considering they have lost some compatriots and some coaches like Williams' position coach in the last you know calendar year, Jimmy Fuller. So. But still, a lot of those guys uh, love Alabama football, and a lot of those guys uh, were able to come back to campus, so that was great. And we're going to discuss all of that with our compatriots. And, uh, of course, that would be Thomas the Wizard Watch from the port city of Mobile, who uh, does a great job producing for us, giving us his analytical takes and his thoughts on Alabama Crimson Tide football. And then, as we said, from 89 to 93, a graduate of John Carroll High School and the University of Alabama, 1992 national champion william redfish barger of course i'm judy armand and for the next hour or so we're going to break down some alabama crimson tide football william uh, i know you're on the way back from a uh, trip to see your father but just wanted to get your thoughts on that 30th year union honestly i can't believe it's already been 30 years since that magical season uh, personally uh, it's my favorite team of all time considering it was the national championship during when i was a very young man coming up through high school in my childhood again great to see your teammates back in tuscaloosa i know you wish you could have made that but you already had plans but made uh in the you know or that you had already lined up uh, you know uh, several months in advance you couldn't make it to the event but i know you saw the the social media and and the coverage but great to see your teammates back in town
1: yeah, and I, you know, I, we've got a, a group text probably, I don't know, there's probably 15 or 20 of us in the same group text, and we, you know, keep up on a pretty regular basis, two or three times a week. It'll fire up. Uh, certainly, uh, after last Saturday's game, it was a lot more active than it had been this season. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 yeah, it, it, uh, um, you know, everybody seems to be doing well. That's you know still on the the good side of the dirt, and um, you know I've talked to several of them. Um, you know, my my car ride right back and stuff, and got their take on the reunion, and also heard a lot about some stuff they did and didn't like about the game as well. But um, you know, it's it's kind of to the point now, Drew, where um, this this kind of deal used to be pretty difficult. Um, because you know so many of us had you know children that were playing high school sports or um, you know multiple children in high school and you know we're kind of this will really make you feel old Drew everybody's kind of you know transitioning over into being empty nesters Um, you know you know some of them may still have a few stragglers that are in college but uh, most of them already have at least one or multiple kids that are out of college and, you know, getting married and starting families of their own. So there's, there's actually some grandfathers, um, you know, in my, uh, my my former team. So, um, but you know, everybody had a good time. Um, you know, the only two, um, you know, coaches that were there were coach Stallings and coach Oliver, like you alluded to earlier. And, um, you know, obviously, Coach Stallings isn't in very good health, but was able to make the trip over from Paris, Texas. Uh, you know, Coach Oliver didn't have a you know too long of a a car ride up from Lake Martin uh, to Tuscaloosa, and um, so you know, good time. The weather was good. Um, you know, I think the biggest uh, um, you know take is this is the first reunion that they've had or we've had. Um, Since the last big, huge remodel of the football complex, the training room, and then the addition of the new, you know, $2 million nutrition center. So there was, you know, lots of comments about, um, you know, the food that they saw displayed versus what was shoved down our throats. And, you know, having a a, basically a a, a chair in your locker that reclines into a bed. Uh, You know, versus (laughs) the metal hard bench and the steel cage locker that our stuff was stored in. So, um, you know, it's, you know, everybody kind of says the same thing. You know, it's, you know, glad the kids, um, you know, have it better than we did. Um, But, you know, everything went well as far as the reunion goes. And, you know, they're all headed back home now. And, um, you know, thankful that I had several of them, you know, reach out and call me and give me their thoughts on it. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I was on reading on Facebook
0: your former teammate and colleague and, uh, of course, line mate, uh, John Stevenson uh, from, uh, you know, John, Germantown, Tennessee, and he was talking about, uh you know, being able to see Coach Stallings again and a lot of his teammates. Now it touched him quite, quite often, and he didn't regret playing. He loved playing, but he even talked about how, uh you know, it, it, well, he said that we honestly, though, it's – uh, we're we're glad, or we never encouraged our, our kids to play. He goes, it's very, it's extremely hard. We wouldn't change anything, but again, it's not easy playing at the University of Alabama. Very thankful to Deuce, so. uh, but it's a journey that, uh, you, of course, you have so much great memories and and uh, camaraderie with your teammates. But I think some sometimes people don't understand. The pressure and uh, and all that goes into being an Alabama football player—it's not easy. And when you get a chance to accomplish something like you guys did and make some history because you played on the uh, on the first team to play in the SEC Championship Game, which is a de facto playoff game, and go undefeated, and win a national championship—it's it's an awesome feeling. But again, if there's also some uh, sacrifices that are made, and uh, just some some, and also just the the journey a lot of times people don't understand how difficult it really is
1: well you know and, and I, I had a chance to catch up with john oh uh, probably six months ago and um you know I, I i disagree with him to a certain extent you know we, we didn't have you know the external pressure on us that you know these kids do now you know if someone was to ask me i think i um, well, I, I know I did an interview a couple months ago with uh, Aaron Suttles about David Palmer. Right, right. And, you know, I I told Aaron the same thing. I'm fixing to tell you. If you gave me a chance to go back for five more years and do it again, I'd go in a heartbeat. Um, and and you know, I, I would approach it differently than I did before because because of the external pressure, there wouldn't be any Facebook, there wouldn't be any Twitter. Um, there, there's an easy way to you know, get rid of that external pressure. But, you know, our, our you know, external pressure is, or was, I should say, um, you know, if you went and picked up the Birmingham News and the Tuscaloosa News on a Sunday, um, you know, there might, your, your name might be mentioned in a negative or a positive way. Um, or if you listen to the Paul Feinbaum show during the week, which none of us really had any time to, but I know people that did. Uh, but that was the extent of it was you know print media and and talk radio um so you know it's a different game um you know I, i went and watched a high school football game a couple of weeks ago between two you know big time 7a schools here in birmingham and was you know sitting there watching you know every play i mean even in short yardage and goal line, you know, the kids didn't get down in a three-point stance. Everything's done out of a two-point stance. I mean, it's a different game, Drew, but, you know, you know, going back to the game last night with, you know, they actually did call some roughing the passer calls on, on Mississippi State, on Bryce, but, um, you know, I did have some, some guys reach out to me Friday night. They showed like a, you know, a highlight video of, um, the 92 season, it was pretty extensive over at the Bryant museum. And, you know, they were all commenting on how much more physical it was and, you know, much more head to head contact. And, you know, it was, it was probably 50, 50. I can't believe I did that. And I'm like, shit, if I could go do it again, I'd you know. but the best I'll, I'll say this, and then we can move on to something else. This goes back to uh, my junior year in high school, drew, and we were fixing to play Barry high school. Um, in Hoover, Alabama, and at the time, Stan White was their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the defensive coordinator, I, I played what – I mean, it was basically – I don't even want to call it Jack linebacker. I was basically a stand-up defensive end. I didn't drop into coverage very much. All I, You hear that, Pete Golding? I never dropped into coverage. Um, oh. And so the, the coach came to me, and, and despite having a quarterback like Stan White, They didn't have a lot of good wide receivers, so they were a little bit more, you know, run heavy, and they ran an option attack. And the defensive coordinator came to me on Monday, and he said, I don't care if he's got the ball or if he's already optioned it off. You hit Stan White in the ear hole every time he comes to your side of the field. And I said, wait a second, are you kidding me? He goes, no. I said, okay. And, you know, I would not want to go back and play high school football Um, On the defensive side of the football, if I couldn't ear hole somebody, that was my favorite part of playing football. Um, That's a great way for a, you know, halfway angry, you know, 17 year old kid to be able to, you know, get rid of his frustrations and his angst on a Friday night. It was, you know, doing it legally on the football field. But anyway, um, let's move on and talk about the Mississippi state. But to answer your question, everybody that was in attendance seemed to have a really good time at the reunion, Drew.
0: Well, that's a good report, and certainly Stan White. When you hear William talk about Barry High School, that is now Hoover High School. It's changed the name to Hoover many, many years ago, and he's right. Stan White, another color analyst for Auburn football, and was a great quarterback at Barry, now Hoover, and then went on to play at Auburn and in the NFL. So, uh, always interesting, no doubt about it. And it was an interesting football game last night, Alabama having to bounce back from a gut-wrenching loss that we went over last week against Tennessee. Uh, they were able to do so uh, in workmanlike fashion. Now, we didn't realize how banged up to this Alabama team was until warm-ups before the game, and we realized Jaheim Otis, freshman All-American, defensive lineman, not dressed. DJ e. Dale having a very good senior year from Clay Chalkville, uh, you know, a defensive tackle slash nose. He was not dressed. They both are hopefully going to be back for LSU. Nick Saban saying one, if not both, would hopefully be back. They were day-to-day. Terry and Arnold did not play. Eli Ricks got the start in his spot, and we'll talk about that. Eli was probably uh, the MVP in the game, playing very well. And, of course, that's garnered quite a reaction on social media, uh, certainly. And then we knew Seth McLaughlin had a lower leg injury. He didn't play. We saw Darian Dalcourt. Uh, back in the pivot uh, for the University of Alabama. Uh, and so uh, it was just a banged-up football team uh, that uh, a lot of guys uh, took the uh, week off and are going to try to go into the bye and certainly get healthy. Justin and Boyd be still out with that neck injury as well. So Alabama really only had about four defensive linemen healthy, and one of them was Damon Payne. And I would have to say he was the newcomer uh, you know, uh, of the game, award winner, along with Rick's. Damon Payne uh, with his first, uh, you know, extensive action in an Alabama uniform, and I thought he played well. So give him some credit there. And uh, they nearly shut down and completely shut out. the, uh, For whatever reason, Alabama seems to have the voodoo on Will Rogers and the Mississippi State offense uh, as Alabama kept everything in front of them uh, and uh, was able to dominate the uh, line in the scrimmage for the most part. They actually got outgained. It was a weird game, 293. Uh, at the 290, he that last drive by Mississippi State. But certainly the bottom line is Alabama was able to put some points on the board. And Bryce Young, uh, it was a workmanlike performance. He didn't practice all week, but he went out 21 of 35, 249 yards, two TDs. Not much of a running game, just a little over one yard of carry. Only a 19-yard burst from Jameer Gibbs was the highlight for a touchdown. Gibbs was a little banged up, too. He played, but he's probably going to enjoy that bye week, no question about it. But William, to circle back, I guess the real story was Eli Ricks, uh, who gets the start at corner and shows that All-American potential because he only uh, – you know, he has five pass breakups, uh, you know, and uh, I know they, they targeted him throughout the game, uh, but he uh, he had a, some sort of ridiculous stat line from a Pro Football Focus uh, where, you know, he, he basically – Uh, You gave up next to nothing Uh, as they, as they kind of coined it, it would have been like throwing the ball into the ground. So Rick showed off his length, his athleticism and his talent. Uh, And hopefully he's going to be a huge factor going forward. But I will say this before you comment. I know a lot of people are wondering why he hasn't started all year. Well, first of all, he wasn't healthy. And second of all, he had to get comfortable and learn the scheme. And he's at a different place. And Terry on Arnold has played well. I don't think it's a black mark against Terry on Arnold. We've lauded Terry on's play, his physicality and his ability to, uh, you know, I know, and I know he's been called for a few penalties, but I, he's definitely been an asset more than he has a liability. And certainly I think he's going to see some more point in time for the Crimson Tide. But, uh, and I think this just deepens the secondary and gives them more options for Alabama because Arnold was a versatile kid that can play different spots, but again, very interesting and very good performance out of Eli Ricks before uh, they play his old school LSU coming out of the bye.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's uh, say what you want. Um, You know, we could always use this as an example of, well, you know, maybe he, you know, knew the playbook better than he did, you know, versus Utah state. I certainly don't think that's the case. And, You know, he does have a, a, you know, a track record of, 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 you know, kind of like Jermaine Burton in his career at Georgia, you know, being injured. And, uh, you know, it just took him a little bit longer to get onto the field. Um, But, yeah, he he was um, really kind of caught me off guard because I didn't pay that much attention to him when he was at LSU. And this was really his first kind of spotlight work at Alabama. And, you know, got a crazy wingspan, very long arms. Um, you know, did a really good job uh, last night, certainly. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought it was, a, um, you know, kind of a tale of two sides of the football, Drew. And, you know, in the first half, although they didn't give up any points, you know, Alabama was giving, big, you know, giving up big chunks of yards um, on the defensive side of the football. I mean, the offense wasn't exactly clicking or looking like a well-oiled machine, but scored some points. And, and, you know, then in the second half, it kind of reversed itself or flipped itself. Um, You know, the defense kind of really, you know, put things together. And all of a sudden, it looked like, you know, somebody had pulled the emergency brake on the the offense. And, you know, I I would say on the offensive side of the football, you know, you won the game. You put up enough points to win. Um, But that offense still is just not clicking um you know was it because Seth McLaughlin wasn't at center um but you know to only pick up 26 yards and you know they did a good job of pass protection um but you know they gave up I think nine tackles for a loss to the Mississippi State defense it just wasn't you know it just wasn't a very fundamentally sound performance you know uh There's going to come a time, it may be, you know, a week from this Saturday in Baton Rouge where, you know, Bryce Young's not going to be able to, you know, play point guard for him back there in the pocket. And, you know, they're going to get that kid hurt. And I think they should have taken him out of the game last night um, a lot sooner than they did. I mean, he's already hurt. Um, He was taking shots and, and, you know, quite a few of them were um, illegal shots. So, you know, the the offense really needs to kind of work, I think, on the off week of of just getting in sync. I mean, the receivers seem to have a hard time um, of getting open or you wouldn't see Bryce back. You know, it's great that the receivers and Bryce are on the same page when everything falls apart with the call play. And, you know, they can improv and, and get somebody open. But. In the called, you know, route tree, it shouldn't be that hard to get at least one wide receiver wide open. I don't know if that's Bill O'Brien. I don't know if they need better wide receivers. Uh, what the problem is, we did get to see the Bigfoot sighting last night, Drew. We did get to see Tyler Harrell. Um, oh. You know, had one target, made one catch. So, you know, maybe he can become a better a better part of this uh a bigger part, I should say, of the wide receiver rotation against LSU. But, um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, I think Thomas, you know, put it best. Um, they got the win, move on, get some rest, and, um, you know, try and work some of these kinks out in the, uh, the off week. But um, there, there's some issues on this football team that I really think need to be solved or improved upon before they make this November run. Um, if if they want to, you know, end up in Atlanta in December,
0: yeah, no doubt. Uh, I do think it allowed them to create some quality depth. It gets a good opponent, though, uh, an SEC opponent. When we talk about the Damon Payne's and uh, and how he played and uh, getting in there, and Jamil Burroughs, I thought they did a good job. Uh, they contained the run, and uh, you know, and we saw. Uh, and then let's also, uh, I, I I should have mentioned these two guys, even though. Ted, Deontay Lawson and uh, Kendrick Blackshire were not in uniform either. They were not. They did not uh, play at middle linebacker. So Henry Toa Toa and Jalen Moody saw the majority of that time. Toa Toa with a game high thirteen tackles. Uh, thought he played well. Uh, did a nice job for Alabama, and so. Uh, but again, yeah, you know, you're right, William. They definitely need to continue to work on some fundamental things, especially offensively. Sometimes I do think with Bill O'Brien, it's too much of an NFL-type game plan and not uh, the short intermediate passing game. They, they went up-tempo some last night, but they didn't stay with the short, quick passes, especially considering Bryce has got some issues uh, with, uh, you know, his shoulder and arm. But again, Uh, And Mississippi State was dropping eighth. They were trying to take some of that away. Uh, And so you needed to have run the football a little bit better. But I wanted to bring in Thomas Watts. Uh, Thomas, welcome back to the show. We appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I know you wanted to talk about Eli Ricks a little bit and talk about this defense. Uh, Just uh, give your thoughts on this performance against Mississippi State.
2: Well, I think Eli Ricks has certainly opened some eyes with how well he played. I don't necessarily know if he's going to magically turn into you know CB1 or CB2. It's a wonderful problem to have where potentially the whole situation, Alabama might have two lockdown corners on the outside if Ricks is what Ricks was last night against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. What does that mean? That means that you can push more safety stuff into the middle if you need to. That gives you some flexibility in terms of how you choose to defend a Tennessee or an Ohio State should Alabama get that far into the season. But I think that's, it's a good thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that the book is completely shut on Terry and Arnold. I don't think that's fair either. Uh, the thing that really caught my eye was the change that Alabama made, Where and I would be interested to know if this is because of Deontay Lawson's injury, Or just because Alabama needed to add add some flexibility within their whole set of uh, personnel groupings. Dallas Turner played a lot of Will Linebacker last night. And that was why you saw him in coverage. But it also let Pete Golding send another guy and flex out that personnel package. I don't know if that's going to continue happening. I'm not sure it needs to continue happening because I'm kind of – I hate when Dallas Turner can't rush the passer, but at the same time, he's not a terrible will linebacker. So, you know, I can't, lose, I can't completely lose my mind about stuff like that. Overall, though, I think the defense needed to bounce back. They did bounce back. I don't think that every defensive ill is cured. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I thought LSU was uber-talented but they had enough bad apples where that team was never going to really gel. LSU is going to be a problem in a couple of Saturdays. That is a good football team. They are going in the right direction. I mean, they beat the crap out of Ole Miss yesterday. That was an ugly football game. And know, some people say, Oh, Ole Miss was overrated, yada, 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 blah, 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 fine, whatever. But, to go on that big a scoring run after being down 17-3 is impressive in any sense of the word. I mean, Alabama did something similar to Texas A&M against Johnny Manziel, and Alabama fans beat their chest over that for the next two and a half years, essentially. So, you know, Alabama's going to need it, going to need this defense to be humming along. I will say I want to echo comments that both of you have made, though. Alabama's a tired football team. I don't think – I personally do not think that I understood how difficult the first part of the season was going to be. Because think about it. Texas was a brutally hard game. It was surrounded by cupcakes. But then realize that what might have needed to be an on-ramp into a difficult part of the season, you know, Arkansas went sideways because of Bryce Young's injury. Texas A&M went sideways – because of Jalen Milrow starting due to Bryce Young's injury. And, you know, there was Alabama had to hang on in that game. Then Tennessee comes back, and Tennessee's a good football team. Uh, I've rewatched that game multiple times. And man, if Alabama does like two things a little bit better, the, the result's different. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast, that's the nature of football. But overall, you look at how this team is. And then of course yesterday, I think Alabama should have won by more, but you could just start seeing as injuries started to accrue. We heard you, you talked about it already drew and some of the, some of the, you know, some of the lack of crispness, let's put it that way. It has told now, does that mean that a fresh, a refreshed Alabama is going to come in and just bomb LSU? Frankly, I doubt it, but I do think we will see a different version of this team because this team has been ground down by at least an October that is as brutal as you will find this season in college football, Drew.
0: Yeah, and they've got the. Uh, I, I said going into the season that I thought this two game stretch, LSU and Ole Miss would def- define the season for Alabama. I expected them to be undefeated at this time, but even though they lost to Tennessee and should have won that football game, it, the, everything's still in front of the tide. Uh, as they have, you know, all their goals right there. So, this, you know, net the, the, this two-game stretch is going to define the season. And I do think it comes at a good time, though, for Alabama to recharge and get better. Uh, they need Seth McLaughlin back. I'm firmly on that bandwagon now. I just really think, uh, you know, that he, for whatever reason, the chemistry is better, uh, the running game is better, uh, the overall offensive performance is better with him in the pivot. I would expect him to start against LSU uh, if he's back. And I think I've been hearing that they, the injury is not considered as serious as first thought. So hopefully he will be back for that. No question about it. And hopefully, uh, you know, this football team is going to be, you know, in much better health on defense, get some of that defensive line rotation back. Uh, you know, we'll see, you know, we're tearing on Arnold fits in uh, coming off of this, you know, how they're going to attack LSU in the secondary and, what roles people are playing. Uh, no doubt about that. And if Dallas Turner keeps playing some will, uh, you know, we'll see because he did play quite a bit without Deontay Lawson and people that i talked to didn't think Deontay played very well as a spy against, uh, Tennessee. So again, I think he's a good player. I think he's done some good things, but it may be some, just some, just some tweaks and some roles that they have to, you know, kind of, uh, work themselves out, and that they really have to kind of change what they're doing a little bit down this stretch, no question about it. And, William, I thought about this too, and I know you probably remember that game vividly, but arguably Alabama's toughest test, they had some tough ones during that 92 run to the national championship, but maybe the biggest gut check of the regular season was that comeback you guys had against Mississippi State in Starkville where Antonio Langham blocks the punt and Alabama survives
1: against the Bulldogs. So sometimes you
0: just have to survive in advance during a long season like this.
1: Well, I think we've talked about this on, on BAMS before, Drew, and it's one of my favorite things to, uh, you know, throw in Bammers' faces because there's still a, you know, this is probably in the outer age range. Now, I would say 60 to 80 year old, um, yeah. you know, people that lost their minds over the, the probation over, You know, Antonio signing that $400 cocktail napkin at Pat O'Brien's after the 92 National Championship game. But there is no National Championship game or National Championship without Antonio Langham. And and the three-game stretch, you know, he had the block punt against Mississippi State, had a pick six the next week versus Auburn. And had the pick six the next week against Florida in the first SEC championship game. So, you know, and, 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 you know, it's easy for people to, you know, cast stones about a 20, 21 year old kid making a bad decision and maybe not necessarily at the time realizing the long term ramifications of a $400 cocktail napkin but that doesn't take away from, you know, what those, what what, what contribution that particular player made um, during the course of his career. And, you know, you, you can make an argument, you know, yeah. Um, you know, Antonio made a lot of great plays because the quarterback only had two seconds to throw the football because of John Copeland and Eric Curry, um, you know, um, you know, we went through, you know, a controversy real early in that season, um, you know, after David Palmer had his back-to-back, uh, you know, DUI rest and, and, you know, had to miss that Louisiana Tech game that we almost lost. So it, it's interesting when, when you have a chance to look back on it, you know, years after the fact and you see how the the pieces fell to, you know, allow that thing to, you know, come to come to play. Um, it, it it's really intriguing and interesting, um, you know, to sit back and be able to do that. But, you know, Antonio uh, Langham um, was easily, um, in my opinion, in, in the – let's see, so he was
0: uh, – I, you know, I played three years
1: with yeah, – yeah, yeah. He, he was he, – I played with him for three years. And I'm not going to sit here and say who the best player was, but he's damn sure in the conversation. Well, I
0: totally agree. He's a salt-of-the-earth
1: person, and
0: I think he's still the greatest corner I've ever seen put, it, put on a uniform, uh, you know, in, uh, in Crimson. Uh, I think he's – I mean, he played seven years in the NFL. He had not had the NFL career of as long as even a Deshae Towns or some of those guys, but he was a, an unbelievable college player. It doesn't, that doesn't make a difference to me. He's in the Alabama State Hall of Fame now for a reason. He should be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, he's just an unbelievable football player. Uh, again, the best I've seen, I, I was in a group message where a couple of people made some comments about him and all I'll say about it is, is that those two guys are in the younger generation, William, they're more millennials. They don't, they didn't, they were embryos or one or two years old when Antonio was playing. They don't know the history of Alabama football very well. Uh, you know, and so they, and I and they, and I just tried to educate them and be like, look, man, you guys, what what are you talking about? This guy didn't do anything to hurt Alabama. He had nothing to do with Philip Fulmer. He had nothing to do with the NCAA. He reported uh, what he did to Coach Dean Stallings, and he was a and he was and he's a great individual. He's never been in one one iota of legal trouble. He's always done. He, and he's coached, and one of the things that I think I, the reason I think the secondary you played with, William. Is the greatest in Alabama history. No disrespect to Nick Saban's groups is. I thought about this the other day. You had George Teague and Antonio Langham, who were the corners. Chris Donnelly and uh, Sam Shag were the safeties. The nickel was Tommy Johnson. The dime was Willie Gaston. Five of those six people coached extensively on the high school or college level. And that just shows how smart those guys were, what great football players they are or were and, and, and play a lot of them played a long time in the NFL, but they've influenced young men and certainly Antonio has done that. And Antonio Langham is just a great, great player uh, and one of the greats in Crimson Tide history. And a guy that I spoke with this past week on our evening show, and he called out the players at Alabama after Tennessee, you know, you talked about you and your teammates having, uh, you know, some spirited discussions about that game. He said, look, I think Pete Golding, 85% of the time, is calling the right coverages and the right defenses. A lot of these folks haven't been in the meeting rooms. They haven't been on the practice field. He goes, I, it's NIL. These guys are getting paid now really good money. He goes, and they've got to be responsible. He's like, you got 11 guys got to do your job. And if one or two of them are not doing their job, he goes, that's what happens. And he goes, uh, you, you know, and it can, it can mess the entire defense up. So they have got to do their job and do it better. And he just felt like they weren't lining up right. They didn't take care of business, and hopefully they took some steps forward uh, in that deal this weekend. But again, there's no one that knows Alabama football better than Antonio. No better representative of the university. No one that loves it better more. And uh, I trust his opinion so much. And again, I'm glad you. Well, let me about ask that
1: you. Because no, so no, gonna I'm, I'm, I'm going to do play. you. I'm going to do you one better, Drew you said there were five out of the six players in that secondary that yeah. have coached high school and college football. Who's the one guy that hadn't?
0: Uh, I, would, I, I, don't, I don't ever remember Willie Gaston coaching a, a high school ball. Now I may be wrong on that, but I, I know specifically the other guys have, and, 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 and even Tommy Johnson coached the Marina ball, but I don't think that Willie ever coached. And, and if, I,
1: if he did, let me apologize for that, and you can correct me. No, I no, no! Hell, you, 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 you've already put me in my place because I was going to make a point. Um, I didn't know that Antonio had. Oh, he did and, for a
0: long time. He was with Andrew
1: Zaw at several places. Okay, but I guarantee you, he was an unpaid assistant. And they, the reason Antonio, out, I, I, I will,
0: I will, I will tell you that I asked
1: Zow about that on my show one time. They paid him in hamburgers. The reason he was getting his paycheck in hamburgers is because Antonio did such a, and this is after not making hell peanuts compared to what people in his position in the NFL make today. Antonio did such a great job of managing his money. And, you know, what, what most people would say was an average, not, 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 on, not on his play on the field, but the length of the, the, the career. Um, he's never had to go get a real job because he manages money so well. And even for those people that have made, you know, bashed him in the past um, for his, you know, participation in the the probation, if you ever catch him driving that old ass Tahoe that he drives, that has been paid for. (laughs) uh, He's got a box of pictures in the back of it with a stack of Sharpies. And if you ever see him and you want to get his autograph, he'll be, put a smile on his face for you to ask him, and he'll be more than happy to sign that picture and give it to you.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he was with Andrew, I believe, at Montevallo, at Bessemer (laughs) City. Uh, They've been, and at at Calera. He's been at several places. Matter of fact, I tried to hook him up with Wade Waldrop at Hoover. Wade Waldrop just finishing his first year at Hoover High. They beat Thompson the other day to win the area nine to nothing. I know he'd like to get back in it in the Birmingham area. And I hope he does because he does it for the right reasons. I know he's helped Joey Jones at Mountain Brook uh, before Joey uh, started his journey on the college level. So he's been around the, uh, you know, high school football a long time. And uh, he's just, he does a great job. is a salt of the earth person, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, William, to go back to the going into the buy and uh, what Alabama needs to do first, we know getting healthy is the is the most important thing, but self scouting is going to be important as well. Certainly, uh, they've got to decide what they're going to do, uh, uh, you know, offensively. And 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 it, I don't think it's uh, you know uh, just uh, too much to say that I I still don't know that we know the true identity of this offense. Besides the fact that Bryce Young is the most important piece.
1: Well. You know, you heard Coach Saban, you know, last Monday in his press conference say that, you know, they were going to take a hard look at personnel decisions and, you know, starting positions are, you know, not something that are, you know, grandfather-clawed in. It's something that's earned on a week-to-week basis. Um, you know, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see when they – um Offensively, when they line up against LSU a week from Saturday, I'd like to see Seth McLaughlin back at center, and I'd mm-hmm. like to see Tyler Booker starting at one of the offensive guard spots. Right. Um, you know, they're kind of in a catch 22 position um, with, with Cameron Latu, in my opinion. I think he does bring some really unique things to the table um, because of his height and his length um as a receiver uh but he is a liability as a blocker um as long as they want to keep running those bubble screens to the wide receivers he's yet to make one of those blocks but i don't know if they've got anybody else on the roster that can do it um you know i want to see more of jojo earl um you know i want to see more of you know more targets to these young wide receivers um, you know, it's, you know, something we haven't even touched on it, even if y'all don't want to, uh, cause I think it's going to be a, 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 you know, pretty nasty little deal this week in the national media with, you know, coach Saban's decision to keep Jermaine uh, Burton's punishment in house. Um, you know, I, I want to see more targets to, you know, Amari Nyblock. I want to see some, you know, creativity, um, you know, within the offense. I mean. You know, Drew, say what you want, but the University of Kentucky one week ago rushed for 240 yards against that Mississippi State defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I personally think Will Levis is a little bit overrated as a quarterback prospect, but he's certainly in the same classroom discussion with, you know, a lot of these national experts. Um, you know, I, there's just, so many things that, that go on on a football Saturday with this Alabama football program um, that, I don't know, it you know, it just kind of baffles the imagination. I mean, I'm not going to share um, what a lot of my former teammates think because that's something that's, you know, shared. And it, I'm certainly not going to betray anybody's trust, but I'm sure you and Thomas both saw, Um, You know, a lot of the guys from the Saban era um, lashing out last week on that YouTube video about, you know, the the mindset, the standard, you know, you got to be a dog in the locker room. And, you know, I mean, look, from a lead by example guy, you know, you're not going to see anybody better at any level of athletics than Bryce Young. I mean, the guy... Mm -hmm. Leads by example. He, he tries to lift people up, but he kind of does it in a nice guy fashion. And, and even at the level of college football today with all the rules and you, know, you can't lead with the crown of the helmet, you can't crack back, you, know, you can't earhole anybody, you, you still are going to have to develop and let somebody's personality in that locker room You know, Leroy McLean was not a nice person off the football field. Uh, Reuben Foster wasn't a nice person off the football field. Um, you got to have the bad guy. Um, You know, to quote one of the greatest mafia movies of all time, you know, Tony Soprano. I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Tony Montana, you know, say goodnight to the bad guy. You've know, you, you got to have a couple of bad guys in that locker room. I don't know who they are on this football team. I know who the nice guy is that provides great leadership by example on offense and Bryce Young, but on the rest of that side of the football, I don't know who that guy is. On the defensive side of the football, I, I could point out some examples of leading by example with the way that you play every Saturday, but I don't know who that guy is over there that jerks a knot in somebody's ass when they don't keep that standard I will tell you this: a guy that was maligned, and uh, you know, after the Tennessee game, and I was one of the people that maligned him. Um, I like what I saw on the last play of the football game last night in the end zone, uh, the way that Demarco Helms was dressing down uh, the, the, the DB Robinson. Uh, or whatever his name is, in the end zone for not covering the person he was supposed to cover. That's what you need.
0: Yeah, and, uh, we talked to DeMarco Helms in the locker room. He talked, he called, he, he talked about that. He's like, you know, you got to play to the standard. We don't want to ever give up any points. You know, we wanted to get the shutout, and they weren't able to get it. And so uh, no question about it. I mean, uh, you know, I thought uh, that, that some guys took some steps forward. Hopefully sometimes adversity can bring a team closer together uh i'd like to see this alabama team uh you know uh, start playing with a little bit of a nastier disposition hopefully that's going to happen we'll see maybe eli rick's being injected maybe a different role for a dallas turner and some you know personnel packages will help with that uh we will see and uh, I, I think will anderson's been trying to lead and certainly trying to be a demonstrative guy but again like you said william we those guys have got to step up and and Helms is another senior and Jordan battle guys that have been through the fire that I think need to lead this team. I've noticed that I think Henry Toa Toa is considered a leader of the team as well. For whatever reason, he seems to draw a lot of criticism from the fan base. And I was, I read a, a, you know, a post on a message board today where a guy wanted him benched. He had 13 tackles last night and the guy was saying he was too slow and should be benched. And, I just don't agree with that at all. I don't know what the guy's watching. I don't know what he's seeing. I know Toa Toa is not perfect, but the dude made 13 tackles last night and made plays. And he made 115 last year. And you had idiots saying they wanted him to, you know, go pro and not come back. I just don't understand, you know, sometimes. And then they, they... and then, like, a, a guy messaged me before the game, wanted to know why Jalen Moody had been out. And I said he had a bruised kidney. He's coming back. And he wanted Moody to be the, uh, you know, the Mike and, and Deontay Lawson to be the Will. And I said, well, Moody's had a good year. He's the Will. Toa Toa, you know, is the Mike. And Toa Toa is a good football player. I just, I've, it just mystifies me uh, that the fan base, uh, a lot of them don't seem to like Henry Toa Toa. I mean, I, I don't understand it. Uh, the guy plays hard. He's not a great blitzer. Okay, we understand that, but he does his job more, more often than not. He he's not the problem. Okay, I mean they've got to they've got to have guys that uh, do their jobs and do it more consistently. And Alabama's been without some guys, uh, you know. But again, I think also, uh, you know, the secondary is a veteran group. They need to, you know, not make mental errors. And but I will say the pass rush has got to get home too. It's, you know, it's all three levels. Everybody has to be in sync. And, you know, for whatever reason, Pete Golding's defenses always seem to have a game uh, where they play poorly, but they usually always respond and they get guys on the same page. And what I always say, and Thomas, I'll bring you back into the conversation, is this is Nick Saban's defense. He hires everybody uh, to do the job. He depends on them to do it. And whenever there's a game plan put in or, you know, and whatever they're doing personnel-wise, He stamps all of it. So, again, going to be interesting to see how this team uh, responds and comes out of the bye week.
2: True, Drew. And it is, we've talked about, does the defense need to be simplified? Do you need to let players play fast, particularly as Alabama starts taking more transfers? But, I mean, at this point, Alabama is pretty much stuck with what they've got. And I don't say that to be cruel. I say that to say that, you know, you're not going to magically fix this thing at this point. If Eli Ricks takes over, I mean, you might get a slight upgrade, but it's not going to be enormous. And players just have to keep getting reps. They have to keep playing at a high level. The one thing that I didn't like as we got into the week was that – the anxiety thing got brought up. I, 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 that I don't get that. That is something that I cannot sympathize. With. I can't sympathize. I can't empathize. I'm just like I, I think that's not a good look.
1: But overall, that's because it, that's because it's complete bullshit, Thomas. But go ahead. Well, I, I appreciate
2: that we are on the same wavelength there because that one was tough to st- tough to stomach, um, particularly in light of the fact that. Everybody wanted to pay these kids. Well, when you get paid, there are some performance writers on your deals, guys. That's just kind of the nature of it. But anyway, I, you know, that's if, if Golding's able to do what he's done in the past and Tennessee was the game where everything falls apart and, you know, scream and hold, and just complete rage. Fine. I, it, onward we go. But we'll see there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to have to be discussed. And what does this team look like when it gets a chance to sort of catch its breath? And, you know, talking about the offense on the other side, sorry, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. The problem with the identity is I think you have two superstars in Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, but Jameer Gibbs can't run without a hole. And Bryce Young can't throw the pat throw a pass when Alabama leads the country in drops or is near the top in drops. If Alabama can just get a little bit better, they'll be fine. It's just we haven't ever seen that. In the first part of the year, new pieces, parts, Alabama does what Alabama did, and they kind of struggle. They kind of drive you nuts. It's now, end of October, November, that traditionally Alabama's gotten better, particularly after the buy. But I, I just don't know. One of the most disconcerting things as just an Alabama fan is what are we going to get? If if you know, I will be glad to eat every piece of crow ever. If we have the discussion in a cup in three weeks, and Alabama has beaten both LSU and Ole Miss, but that's you know that's a really like I don't want to say confusing, but that's a really hard road to hoe for this football team.
1: Well, I, no, I, I think what you're setting up, Thomas, and and you know to expand on what you're saying, you know from my perspective is. We have yet to see, if, if you look at the you know, few equally matched games that Alabama has played this year, um, Texas, Arkansas, um, Texas A&M, Tennessee, I'm not even going to include last night because that wasn't an equal game. Um, you, you haven't seen them have a team win. You know, Tennessee – I mean, I I thought the offense played about as well as they could play in that environment. The defense was a disaster. Special teams was a disaster. Texas A&M, I mean, that is a bad football team, Thomas. We can all agree on it now. And, you know, I I know you and Drew hate Jimbo Fisher with such a passion. Y'all been talking about it since the summer. Um, But that's that's the thing that I think Thomas has most Alabama fans – you know, sitting on the edge of their seats is here we are after week eight, and we really haven't seen a complete performance out of this team yet. You know, we've seen, um, you know, the offense excel, you know, we've seen the defense do good against lesser competition.
2: We were going back and forth um, about how Al- this Alabama team hasn't put together anything close to a complete game yet. And that's how disconcerting everything. That's for me, personally, as an Alabama fan, that's very disconcerting. Because, you know, what are we going to get? Uh, you know, traditionally, Alabama has gotten better. Like, really, it's the month of November where Alabama's just, I'm going to turn it on. And we're going to blow them away. Happy days. i this team hasn't – I mean, of course, it's not November yet, but this team hasn't come close to even showing that sort of thing. They show a little – they show a good offense or they show a good defense or they show, like, a quarter of good play. I mean, I, I think there's an argument to be made that for 20 minutes against Arkansas, this team was really putting all the pieces together and then Bryce Young got hurt. But, you know, that's it, it, that's that's really the problem that I see.
1: Well, no, I mean, I, I feel like you were leading up to and, and you know – I, I've kind of got a little bit different take of how a Nick Saban Alabama football team um, performs after a bye week. Most of the time, they're very sluggish and look dis, you know, oriented. Um, I, I think, and I think that's what you were leading up to um, when they, you know, get back between the uh, the hash marks against LSU and Baton Rouge. I think that game is shaping up to be a buzzsaw for this Alabama football team if they can't get the things that ail them corrected between now and then. Yeah, no
0: doubt about it. No doubt.
1: Uh, They've got to
0: fix, uh, get more consistent with the offense. Uh, They've got to get back to running the football. They have been averaging, uh, you know, leading the nation in yards per carry. But they always seem to have one game like this during the year where they can't run the ball. Uh, you know, they do need to shore up some things in the passing game. I'm still gonna be interested to see if you mentioned Tyler Harrell earlier in the in the in the show. He did get in, and make a catch. Are he and Aaron Anderson worked in? Uh, because I still think they need those guys. They need guys that can make big plays. Even in Amari Nyblack, are they gonna are they gonna save some stuff for some of these teams down the stretch? No doubt about it. Uh, you know and then you know continue to use Jameer Gibbs in a versus uh, way. we and we still haven't seen a breakout game from Jason McClellan I've just been surprised he hasn't been a bigger part of the offense but all of that's going to be interesting coming out and I do agree with William I think Seth McLaughlin needs to be back in the pivot uh, no question about that and so uh, but the, I think it is going to be a dog fight I would say it's going to be a a one or two score game in Baton Rouge. It's going to go down to the fourth quarter. Uh, certainly, I respect Brian Kelly and what he's accomplished in his career and what he's doing with this LSU team and the way he's turned it around from how bad they looked early in the season. It's once again, it's you know, it's it's like old times since Nick Saban has been at Alabama. It's been LSU and Alabama and everybody else, you know, in uh in the, in the SEC West, and that's the way it's going to be this year. I don't think Ole Miss matches up. I think Alabama should go to Oxford and smash the Rebels. I don't think Lane Kiffin's the boogeyman. I don't think he's, uh, you know, I think he's basically, like the comment I made is I made a Ghostbusters reference, man. I thought that Gus Malzahn had, you know, his body had taken over uh, and his brain had taken over Lane Kiffin yesterday. And it was basically, uh, you know, uh, a Gus Malzahn special in the second half where he got his offense got completely shut down and they got blown out. So, I don't think Ole Miss is very good on defense either. I think LSU is much more talented, and I know Thomas made that reference earlier in the show. Uh, LSU is a very talented team. They're they're a flawed team. They've got some depth issues and some and not a great offensive line, but they certainly played their best game uh, against uh, Ole Miss, and they'll certainly be got you know, coming off a of bye and be extremely motivated to play uh, Alabama with all their goals still out in front of them. So it's going to be a tough battle, but. Certainly, I think, you know, the way the schedule has set up, Alabama got to buy at the right time. And we're going to see how good this team is. They're a championship college football playoff caliber team. They're going to beat LSU and Ole Miss. I think they should, but certainly not a certainty. They've got to come out and be ready and, and be locked in and, and be ready to get after LSU and, and, you know, have a coherent plan and everybody be comfortable in their roles going forward.
1: Well, you know, Drew, I forgot about one thing when we, we started the conversation an hour ago about the reunion. Right. And th- this is something that I can share that, you know, won't expose anybody. And, you know, this this comes on the emotions of after the Tennessee game last Saturday. And a lot of people were, you know, lamenting the fact that Nick Saban needed to part part ways with Pete Golding and they needed to bring Jeremy Pruitt back. And I was trying to explain to my former teammates, look, for a lot less infractions, Greg Sankey has been able to keep Hugh Freeze out of the SEC for the last six years. Um, to the extent that he wouldn't even let Nick Saban hire him two or three years ago as an analyst, um, while I appreciate the sentiment and I do agree with it, I do think Alabama would be better off as you know with Jeremy Pruitt as their defensive coordinator under Nick Saban. Um, if Hugh Freeze was kept from the SEC for six years, that would be the basement of what you would expect for Greg Sankey to let Jeremy Pruitt come back to the sec as a position coach or a coordinator.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think I've tried to tell people that as well. They're going to have to wait and see what happens with that investigation. That's not even totally, I know they've announced the findings and stuff, but it's not wrapped up and, and they don't, they haven't released what's going to happen to Jeremy. I, I would agree with you. I, I think he's going to be, you know, uh, out of college football for several years, uh, no doubt about it. That's just the gist I get. I don't think it's going to be wrapped up, uh, you know, as far as uh, he, w- when they finally do come down with the final verdict, I I think Jeremy will probably get it some sort of show cause or sanctions. And I know he and his lawyer are going to fight it. And he's coaching with his father, Dale, back at Plainview High School this year. He moved back to Rainesville. But he's probably going to have to be, you know, coaching on the high school level for a while because I just don't think, uh, or try to go back to the NFL, but I, I don't see it as uh, him being able to just, in within the next year or two, come back. And again, I don't think Pete Golding is the entire issue. Um, I, I've been outspoken. I think D-line-wise with Freddie Roach, I think they need an upgrade there. They may need to bring Sal Sanceri back out on the field. Uh, we'll see, you know, Coleman Hutzler's, Uh, taken over there maybe he should just take over the kicking game and special teams Uh, we will see but I know Sal's still part of the staff and from what I hear he did not want to to uh, be brought you know basically and put in charge of the transfer portal he still wanted to be an on-field coach so it'll be interesting to see what happens there with that but again what we're going to concentrate on is you know the rest of this season and what this team is going to do and what they can accomplish they still can be a national championship contender, and this these next two weeks after this bye is going to be where the rubber meets the road. I'm going to be fascinated to see it, no doubt about it. And certainly, we're going to join everybody next week uh, for Bam's radio and talk about uh, and preview the LSU game. Uh, talk about what we've heard we've heard through the great bye coming out through the bye week. There'll probably be some recruiting buzz too. Uh, Alabama had. Uh, you know, uh, a five-star quarterback, 2024 kid, Justin Sayan. I'm uh, probably not pronouncing that correctly, but he's a five-star that was on campus that uh, Alabama and LSU lead for. Uh, they had Clay Russo and James Smith back on campus. Uh, they had Jordan Hall, uh, you know, a four-star defensive lineman from Westside High School in Jacksonville, Florida. I think he's down the board, but he was in town. And then they had uh, David Hobbs uh, from Concord, North Carolina, in for a visit. So, There will continue to be recruiting buzz uh, emanating from the weekend, so we'll have maybe some news about that to talk about as well. Uh, And then, uh, you know, Desmond Ricks from the 2024 corner from IMG Academy is reclassifying with Cormonti McClain, the 2023 cornerback from Lakeland, Florida, likely headed to the Gators. Ricks was probably going to be at the top of Alabama's cornerback board, and they would like to add one more stud corner. And so we will follow all those storylines. But again, we appreciate everybody for joining us and letting us rehash this Mississippi State game. But again, I, I, I congratulate Alabama for winning 30-6 to and bouncing back, showing a lot of internal toughness and fortitude. And it was great having Williams' teammates back on campus and seeing Coach Stallings and Coach Oliver. And it was great to discuss uh, a workman-like win, not pretty, but a win nonetheless, the 15th straight over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But we'll definitely... Be coming to you next Sunday, giving us our thoughts on Alabama football, previewing the trip to Red Stick for to LSU for Alabama. But for everybody, we appreciate you continuing to support BAMS Radio. Good night, everybody. For Thomas Watts, for William Redfish Barger, I'm Drewdy Armin. Roll Tide, everyone.